Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies first turn up, I'm guessing the world looks pretty alien to them. And so life becomes all about new experiences and learning how this place works. Through play, children discover, become aware of what goes on around them. We can so easily lead them through days filled with new, exciting thoughts and ideas. But what if it's not exciting? What if new things actually make your child feel anxious? It's quite a crippling thing, and I don't know if a lot of people realise how crippling it can be, the anxiety. It's really holding her back in quite a lot of things, actually. My older son had not extreme, but moderately difficult anxiety. We found it very difficult, especially when he was younger. So this episode is actually the first in a two-parter. Next time we'll look at social anxiety. But first we're going to try and understand what's behind anxiety and why, like some random assailant, it keeps turning up in everyday situations. You know, for instance, if he was at school and our teacher asked him just to take a message to another class, he would just be in absolute fear just going to another class. Even trying new things. She tends to sit back and she's worried about people watching her doing it and I think it's a bit of a self-esteem thing. She doesn't want someone to laugh at her. And children can be anxious about all sorts of things. Rejection or, or pressure, performance, perfection. There can also be anxiety about spiders, dogs, staying away from home. So this is Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist, talking about some of the kind of issues affecting her young clients. Earthquakes, wind... Travelling in cars, fires, burglars. <laughs> Pretty much the brain can have a good hunt around and it's going to pick up on different threats and different signals for people and that's going to take on some significance. Because not only is anxiety hugely common, it's also part of our primal makeup. It's natural, normal and completely necessary. Like all living creatures, we need an alarm system to signal threat. Not only does ours scan the environment for danger, but once it's kicked off, it actually also prepares the body for action to meet that threat and to maximise the chance of survival. In little doses, it can also be really helpful to organise and motivate us and help us perform well. So in a, in a way, it's all good. But then what happens next is the alarm sets off a chain of events in our brains that basically gives us three options. Fight, take flight or freeze, depending on what's going to work best in that situation. The judgment is based on a split-second reaction and often occurs without too much analysis and thought. So we need to do whatever we're going to be doing quickly. It's driven by that innate desire just to either fight this thing, get the hell out of there as quickly as possible, or if the threat is too close by or overwhelming, freeze and hopefully that threat just wanders on past. And so when a child is anxious, some of these kind of reactions can come into play. It's almost like she freezes. I can see that in her straight away when she's starting to feel a bit uncomfortable and panicking. 
But the problem is, that alarm that our bodies rely on doesn't really work for modern living. Our alarm system isn't designed for that, but our brain hasn't kind of evolved to be able to tell the difference. So, you know, while adrenaline pumping, muscle tightening, heart racing, all of those things work wonders when we need to run away from something, when we're sitting and lying in bed the night before an exam, or when we're about to run a race, well, a race is quite handy, <laughs> but you know, in situations like that, it can be really problematic when our bodies are pumped up and that adrenaline and, and other responses from our body have nowhere to go. And the other problem is that sometimes the alarm goes off when it probably shouldn't. Our alarm system can be hacked. In other words, our thoughts about the future and the past can trick the alarm system into firing and making us experience danger as real and current when in actual fact we're safe. So us thinking about what if this happens and what if that happens and what if this goes wrong actually ignites the alarm system. And as we all know, when an alarm is going off, whether it's anxiety or your next door neighbour's car alarm, all you want is for it to shut up. But of course, the more you focus on it, the worse it gets. The brain, even though it's beautifully complicated, has two main approaches, I suppose, to dealing with a problem. Problem at work or the car stopped working. We tend to think about it a lot and work out a way to manage that problem. The other thing we tend to do when there's a problem is try and avoid it. So if there's someone who's really annoying, you know, we might want to walk across the road and, and avoid making eye contact with them. Now, really effective strategies, but you can see when the problem is actually what we're thinking, really hard to avoid that, because what the brain tends to do is bring it up in big flashing lights. And then things like our genes and our life experience and the way other people react to us also have a part to play. Genetics loads the gun and experience pulls the trigger. As parents, we can't change biology or the things that have happened, but we can notice and manage our reactions. And this is absolutely essential when it comes to supporting a child who's anxious. We need to help them work out what is actually dangerous versus what their brain might be telling them is dangerous, or how their brain is tricking them. So how do we go about that? One of the great things that for my son really worked was um, having a worrying time. So when you're thinking about something and you realise that you're worrying or anxious about it, you can worry about it in your worrying time. So he had a wee alarm on his watch and the rest of the day if it came in, he could just let it go and say, OK, I'll worry about it in my worrying time. And by the time he got to his worrying time, most of the time he said, I'm not worried right now. And so it wouldn't be necessary. If she comes to me and she's really, really upset, I have to try really hard just to talk very, very calmly to her. And I notice after five, ten minutes, she starts kind of breathing better and she calms down. Of course, as a parent, there's always that instinct to want to protect your child and make things easier for them. Because I know her so well, I can see when it's happening and, and I want to step in and protect her. And I know sometimes I need to step back and try and let her deal with it. And that might actually help your child to cope better. Catherine Gallagher says if you encourage your children to confront their anxiety, you're not hurting them. Instead, she says it's a bit like when she got her children immunised. Certainly there was distress attached as a parent because, you know, the child wasn't necessarily high-fiving me saying, thanks for that, Mum, you know, love the jab. But I made that decision based on the fact that I wanted my child to be well in the future. That's what this is about. It's about saying sometimes as parents we have to do something that can feel distressing or sit with our child and help them tolerate distress in the short term because that's about building up their confidence and skills to be able to manage things long term. So you can teach your child all of the anxiety management strategies under the sun, but unless they have to use them, they won't.
We should always try to persuade children to do things, to handle things, for all this is learning. And each day the unfamiliar, the difficult, becomes a little easier. That's where the role of parents is completely vital. They have to understand what I'm talking about today. If they can understand that they don't have to be scared of anxiety and can see their distressed child and know that in fact um, this harm is not hurting them, this is actually their brain tricking them, and if they can sit with this and know that the, the scary thing, the threatened thing doesn't happen, then their child is going to be able to know that, oh, that's what I do. You know, I get anxious, I get scared in these situations, but I'm okay, I'm equal to it and I can do it. So a lot of this is about parents getting the confidence to sit with their kids' distress and to validate their kids' distress and to support them in doing this brave thing. And it's a lesson that Catherine Gallagher's clients have also had to learn for themselves. Parents and children might come in with the expectation that I'm going to say, right, this is what we're going to do to stop you being anxious. And in fact, that's not what I do. Part of my role is about saying, guess what? You're a bit of an anxious pants. You know, those worries in your brain trick your alarm system and your brain's got into a habit of focusing on them. So our job is to kind of help you learn about that and actually do life and occasionally worries are going to turn up and come along for the ride. She says anxiety is not a new thing. And whilst it's good that, yes, we talk about it more these days and we have more information, there is also a danger that we start to become anxious about anxiety. The reality is that negative feelings are incredibly informative, as the alarm system says. Sometimes it's telling us stuff we need to pay attention to. But if we pay too much attention to it in the absence of other data, in the absence of, of actual information that this is actually dangerous, then I suppose it can snowball and anxiety can become like another member of the family that we have to take into account and bring along with us. And so if you understand what's actually driving anxiety, then it should be easier to help your child manage it. Because if what we gave you was just a list of things you should do, unless we've got a framework to hang it in and a way to understand it, then really what I'm telling you is go forth and frustrate and upset your child. And that, you might not know me well enough to know that that's an okay thing to do. So we need to know why. We need to know how the brain works and, and how our alarm system works. And the fact that if your child is temperamentally sensitive, really important that they learn how to recognise that and what to do about that. So they can go forth and live life that's free and exciting. Because if we don't manage anxiety, then it tends to get bigger. And you can see how as anxiety gets bigger, people's lives get smaller. And that's actually something we want to do something about. And that's us. This podcast was presented and produced by me, Katie Gossett, Adam McCauley does the music, and Tim Watkin is our executive producer. The lovely historical audio comes from Nga Taonga Sound and Vision in Archives New Zealand. Now, if you enjoyed the show, you can find this and other episodes on the podcast page at rnz.co.nz. Or head over to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe there. And while you're at it, check out some other RNZ podcasts like ours, which takes a journey through some of the special items held at Te Papa. Also, don't forget to listen to our next episode, which is actually a follow-up from today. So we've talked about anxiety becoming like a member of your family. Well, next time, I'll look at anxiety's annoying little sister, otherwise known as social anxiety. Bye. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.